Hello and welcome to Tea Party with Ghost. I'm Ghost. I'm Ash. Go brew yourself a cup of tea and let's have a spooky tea party. Hi, welcome back. Hello. Um, and happy New Year's for anyone who happens to celebrate that. Um, Ghost, do you have any New Year's resolutions? No. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> we don't normally do New Year's resolutions, but if you do, let us know what they are. Maybe we'll get some spooky ones. It's just another year. I mean, true, yeah. Another year of living in a hellscape. Today, I have a few stories the stories take place at two different hotels that happened to open on New Year's Eve, both in the 1920s. So, 100 years ago. Yeah. Cool. Yep. They're in two different states. I guess we'll just jump right in. Well, we're going to start in Chicago at the Drake Hotel. Have you heard of the Drake Hotel? I've heard of so much stuff in Chicago. I don't know. Depends. Um, The Drake Hotel has stood regally at the northernmost point on the Magnificent Mile for more than a century as an icon of luxury and high society. A bunch of big names have stayed at this hotel. Like who? We're going to get to that. Um, The hotel at 140 East Walton Place was the brainchild of architect Benjamin Marshall and gets its name from the financers John and Tracy Drake. It opened on New Year's Eve 1920 with a gala attended by 2,000 of the most distinguished citizens of Chicago. Queen Elizabeth II was honored with a reception at the Drake Hotel during her royal visit in 1959. Princess Diana stayed at the Drake for her visit in 1996. So the hotel's website actually points out that both Queen Elizabeth II and Princess Diana made a point of taking afternoon tea at Palm Court, which you can still do today. Afternoon tea is the bee's knees. That's what we did for my birthday this year. Yeah. And we also did that when we visited Scotland, and it was very fancy. And I loved it. It was nice. At the Cape Cod Room, the iconic seafood restaurant that closed in 2016, Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe carved their initials into the bar. Um, In the early days of the hotel, Bing Crosby, Walt Disney, George Gershwin, and Charles Lindbergh might have been spotted having a cocktail while listening to band leader Herbie Kay in the Gold Coast Room. But getting to, to the good stuff, this hotel is known for ghosts. And Tony Zabelski, um, he gives haunted ghost tours through this hotel. Unfortunately, you will not find the ghosts of Princess Diana, Bing Crosby, Walt Disney, or anyone else mentioned earlier at the Drake. But Zabelski says you might just run into ghosts of one of the 2,000 people who attended that opening gala back in 1920. The story goes that a woman in a striking red dress attended the gala with her fiance. As Zabelski tells it, the couple got separated and the woman later saw the man dancing with another woman. Other sources say the woman was unable to find her fiance and decided to go back to their 10th floor suite to see if he was there, only to find him with another woman with whom it stood reason he was doing more than mere dancing with. Whatever the case, the story claims that the woman responded by throwing herself out a 10th floor window to her death. Known as the Lady in Red, her ghost is purported to haunt the 10th floor of the hotel to this day, as well as the ballrooms and event spaces of the first floor. A couple years ago, Zabelski notes that he took a group on a ghost hunt to the Drake, and one guest 
said she spotted the lady in red in a ballroom and snapped a photo. She said, I was compelled to go into one of the dark rooms, which was a ballroom. In doing so, I snapped a picture and when I snapped the picture, I come across a lady sitting in a chair. And it frightened me so much that I threw my phone on my friend and I ran out of there. But I knew I caught a ghost. There's a silhouette of a lady sitting in a chair. It was really bright when I took the picture. I was a little frightened, but I didn't feel like it was a threat or anything. I just felt like the lady wanted to be seen. I think she wants to be recognized and known. Also spotted at the Drake is another woman in a dress. This one known as the Lady in Black. This involves a well-documented story about the murder of society matron Adele Bourne Williams, but Adele Bourne Williams is not the lady in black. Her killer is. As documented by the archives of Chicago Tribune, Williams, the wife of U.S. State Department attache Frank Starr Williams, was a guest at the hotel along with his adult daughter, Patricia Goodbody. On one occasion in January 1944, Williams and Goodbody were coming back to the suite where Williams lived in the hotel, only to find the door unlocked and slightly ajar when they had left it shut. Slowly opening the door, they didn't see anyone at first, but all of a sudden, a woman wearing a black dress, a black fur coat, and a white wig stepped out of the bathroom and took out a tiny pistol. She fired two shots at Goodbody and missed, but then fired two shots at Williams and killed her. A Tribune account from 10 years after the murder says Goodbody yelled, Stop that crazy woman. She shot my mother as the woman in the black fur coat ran down the corridor ahead of her. Police went on to launch a four-hour search of the hotel but turned up nothing. They did later find an antique gun in the stairwell that had been dropped from a higher floor and had shattered. In his book, Chronicles of Old Chicago, Exploring the History and Lore of the Windy City, Adam Selzer notes some other bizarre twists, including that someone, likely the shooter, had made a phone call to a fish and ale house in the area about 20 minutes before the violent attack. The serial number on the gun was traced to a holdup man who had been in prison at the time, but who said his sisters had stolen his guns on several occasions. He told investigators one of his sisters, Ellen Bennett, was a key clerk at the Drake, and it happened that his other sister, Anna, was a hotel prowler known for hanging around and hoping to find rich men. Ellen, who did have a checkered past, was brought in for questioning, and investigators worked on a theory that she came to steal jewelry from Williams and went on to shoot Williams when the society matron returned to the suite. Ellen and her sister were both taken into custody twice in connection with the murder, and Ellen even admitted she owned a black Persian lamb coat like the one the killer wore. But she said she had never been in Williams' room and had an alibi that she had been shopping downtown at the time. No charges against Ellen Bennett or her sister ever held up, and the case has never been been solved. But whoever Adele Bourne Williams' killer was, she is purported to haunt the eighth floor to this day. One more ghost story involving the Drake involves a better-known Chicago crime that dates back 20 years before the Adele Bourne Williams murder, and that did not happen anywhere near the Drake. Nathan Leopold was already a law student at the University of Chicago at the age of 19, and his friend Richard Loeb had already graduated from college at the University of Michigan at 18. The young men, both from wealthy families, were inspired in part by the philosophy of Frederick Nietzsche and the concept of the superior Ubermensch, I think that's German, sorry for the pronunciation, um, or Overman. The pair set out on a quest to commit the perfect crime. On May 21st, 1924, the pair picked up Loeb's second cousin, 14-year-old Bobby Franks, upon seeing him walking on Ellis Avenue in Kenwood and took a chisel to his head. Oof. The duo dumped Frank's body in the swamps on Wolf Lake on the Illinois-Indiana state line while pouring hydrochloric acid on parts of the corpse to conceal Frank's identity. They sent a ransom note to the family. 
But Leopold and Loeb were soon captured after a pair of glasses with a rare and special spring were found near Franks' body, according to the Northwestern University recounting. And that was Bobby Franks. Kid. Just a little boy. And these other two kids looked like they were on a good path in their life. Leopold and Loeb confessed to the crime, but were spared the death penalty thanks to a defense by the brilliant attorney Clarence Darrow. So what does all of this have to do with the Drake, you might ask? Multiple accounts note that after the murder, Bobby Frank's father, Jacob Frank, sold the family's Kenwood estate and moved to the Drake with his wife, Flora. Jacob Franks died at the hotel in 1928, and Flora Franks also died there in 1937. According to Haunted Illinois, their story is that the ghosts of Mr. and Ms. Franks have never left. Windy City Ghosts reports that they are seen wandering the hotel, still mourning their brutally murdered son nearly a century later. And that is what I have on the Drake Hotel. So that murder, do you think, since they said that the perpetrator was wearing that lady's coat, Mm -hmm. do you think somebody was like trying to frame her? It could have been. I mean, there was a lot of wealthy people coming in and out of the hotel. I'm sure someone wanted something, like money or something. Yeah. Do you think it was somebody that was staying there or someone that went in to try and rob the rich folks that was there and then found that coat and was thinking, oh, maybe they'll think it was this person since I'm wearing their coat. Yeah, but how would they have gotten that gun? Because it was very specifically like registered to one dude who was in prison at the time, but his sisters had stolen a bunch of his guns, so. Yeah. The next hotel I have is the Monte Vista in Flagstaff, Arizona little bit of the history of it. With tourism on the rise in the 1920s, Flagstaff and its residents decided that a first-class hotel was the next vital step in aiding the city's growth as one of northern Arizona's premier destinations. Fundraising began in the early 1926, and by New Year's Day 1927, the hotel was finally open, offering 73 guest rooms under the name Community Motel, which would later be changed to the Monte Vista, a name chosen by a 12-year-old contest winner. That's cute. In 1929, Mary Costigan, the second woman in the world to be granted a radio broadcasting license, that's cool, moved her radio show on KFXY to the Monte Vista Hotel where she hosted an impressive 100-watt show for three hours a day. I have a story real quick. So whenever I was in, I think I was in second grade, Mm -hmm. so I was eight years old, Mm -hmm. and the state of Alabama was trying to find a new catchphrase to you know prevent littering oh yeah you know how mississippi is like um shit i don't forgot what theirs was but whoever actually won labeled alabama's as alabama the beautiful so they wanted like school elementary school kids to come up with a new catchphrase and so i was telling my mom about it (laughs) she said that i should write down keep it off the grass or we'll kick your ass oh my god (laughs) so that just came flooding back into my memory whenever you said that about the 12 year old boy oh my lord that's funny (laughs) keep it off the grass or kick your ass oh my god okay so mary's exploits continued into the 1930s as did the monte vista's reputation for having one of the few hidden speakeasies in flagstaff during prohibition a late night establishment fed by secret tunnels that were built by chinese rail railroad workers and snake for miles below downtown that's pretty cool actually the monte vista continued to be the longest publicly held commercial property in arizona 
until it was sold to a private investor in the early 1960s, who narrowed the building's focus to strictly hotel and rental services. The hotel stands as one of the oldest in Flagstaff and has been listed on the U.S. Registrar of Historic Places, making it one of the most important pieces of the American West history you can still stay in to this day. Is it haunted? That's the question. I don't know. Never been there. Okay, well, I'm about to tell you. So the first story I have is the meat man. Of the many rooms in this historic hotel where the spirits of the past like to make their presence known, few have had the lasting effect of room 220, where an unusual one-time resident known as the Meat Man is still causing a stir to this day. This long-term boarder who spent his days at the Monte Vista back in the early 1980s had a somewhat unusual habit, hanging raw meat from his chandelier. That sounds like one way to die of food poisoning. Okay. Why he did this, no one was really certain, but needless to say, it earned him a reputation among his neighbors. What really makes the meat man stand out in the Monte Vista's history, though, is not what eccentricities he had in life, but the unusual activities he is still getting up to today, nearly 40 years after he was found dead in his room, probably because he had some kind of food poisoning. Anyways... On one such occasion, not long after the meat man had met his fate, a maintenance worker for the hotel was up in room 220 making a few repairs. When he left, he turned off the lights and locked the door, but when he returned shortly after, he found that chaos had erupted in his absence. The television was not only on, but playing at full volume, and even more distressing, the linens on the bed had been violently removed, ripped up, and scattered across the room as if in a fit of anger. Needless to say, the maintenance worker steered clear of room 220 from then on, but even today, guests in the room have reported the television acting on its own accord, though it has long been replaced, as well as the cold touch of a man's hands, like raw meat. Disgusting. That Yeah, that definitely sounds disgusting. <laughs> so the next one is called the rocking chair. Room 305 has also had its share of reported activity, some of it going back many decades. It has even been featured on shows that document the paranormal and has become a popular room to book for lovers of the strange and unusual. The most common report, which has been well documented, is of an elderly woman in the rocking chair by the window. Guests have long told the tale of the chair moving by itself, knocking against the closet, and some have even seen the old woman herself gazing longingly out the window. While the woman's name is not known, old stories from the hotel tell of a long-term resident, an old woman, who would sit by the window day in and day out looking out into the world, perhaps waiting patiently for someone to return. It would seem that she still is. I'll say that's sad. It is sad. All right. So the next one is the bank robber. In 1970, it is reported that three men robbed a bank in a nearby town, a daring heist that left one of the three shot and wounded after a bank guard surprised them from behind and started firing. The three men managed to escape, returning to the cocktail lounge at the Monte Vista to celebrate their big score. Only the wounded man among them was more wounded than they had realized, and after a few drinks, he soon bled to death at the bar. Since that day, patrons and staff alike have noticed unusual activity in the hotel bar, including a disembodied voice saying good morning upon their arrival and reports of bar stools and drinks that seem to move on their own. I guess you can say he went out with a bang. I'm tired of you. Good. <laughs> and he was friendly, it sounded like. Sounds like he is, yeah. Um, the ladies of room 306. While many of the deaths at the Monte Vista were of natural causes, this downtown hotel has also seen its share of nefarious crimes, even murders. In fact, many 
Many years ago in the early 20th century, Flagstaff's notorious red light district could be found only a few blocks away. It was there in the early 1940s that two female sex workers were working their shift only to be picked up by a man who was staying in the room 306 of the Monte Vista Hotel and looking for some company for the night. The two women returned to his room, unexpecting of the horrors that awaited them, and at some point during their visit were brutally murdered and dumped out of the third floor window to the street below. What happened to these women was horrendous, and it seems they agree, their spirits still haunting the room in which their murders were committed, lashing out at anyone who dares stay there. In the decades since, guests have reported the uneasy feeling of being watched, as well as difficulty sleeping. Men in particular tend to be affected, while some claiming that ghostly hands have been placed over their mouths or throats while they sleep. Alright, so some other notable spirits, because there happens to be a lot at this hotel. <coughs> um, another one is a man called the Phantom Bellboy, who is known to knock on doors in the late hours of the night announcing in a muffled voice, room service. Some have seen the apparition standing outside of room 210 and it is even claimed that the actor john wayne had a close encounter with him during his stay in the basement the sounds of an infant crying have often been heard there is little explanation as to how this phantom child met their end but any staff member unfortunate enough to hear the cries have been known to run the other way as quick as they can there is nothing scarier than a ghost child yeah i mean yeah now ghost children are the creepiest things in this entire world and you cannot change my mind <laughs> absolutely cannot yeah i would like to see the bellboy late at night knock on the door of the winchester brothers because they would get him be like why are you knocking on our door this late at night ghosts don't know what time it is well they should <laughs> they got nothing better to do look they have all the time in the world to know what time it is they ain't got jobs they ain't paying bills sounds like a good life Lastly, there are the ghosts of the dancing couple, a pair of ghostly lovers who are seen in the early hours of the morning dancing away in the hotel's cocktail lounge. They are dressed in their formal best and are always smiling and laughing. And I love that. That's sweet. That's adorable. <clears throat> the most wholesome ghost story I have ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's, that's sweet. Yes. Well, that's all I got for this fine New Year's Day. Do you have anything else you'd want to add? Um, if you stayed to the end of the episode, if you hang around, there'll be puppy bloopers at the end because I got Ellie triggered and then it triggered Ozzy and then it was a growl fest. So yeah, Ellie is very vocal. And if you, <laughs> if you hold up your fist to her, she will want to fight you. Yeah. And that's what I did while Ash was telling the story. I threw my fist up and she was ready to go. She she's likes ready to, square. to box. Yeah, she likes to square up. Yeah, and I call her Piranha Dog. But now they're both sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, we're out. Lucky bitches. I know, right? Well, that's all I got today, so I hope you enjoyed, and I guess we'll see you next week. And I'll have a good tell for you. <laughs> yes. Oh, why are you laughing? It's Colorado. Shit. <laughs> I got a good funny story i actually have two topics next week so a good funny story and then a true crime and i know what the one is and i fucking hate it because it is literally one of my greatest fears of all time <laughs> okay so anyways 
Um, and we're actually recording that episode next, so this is going to be a fun day for me. Since we're both off work, we're going to be binge recording a bunch of stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, be safe, be spooky, and be the cryptid that you want to see in the world. Yeah. Okay, bye. Meh. The Monte Vista continued to be the longest publicly... <laughs> what do you got to say about that, Ellie? That's it? That's all you got? <laughs> We gotta get a recording of her and be like Piranha Dog Productions and then have her. Ghost is triggering our dogs. Oh, this is no, no. Ghost is triggering Ellie, and Ellie is triggering Ozzy. (laughs) Anytime that I'll put my fist up in the air, like I, do you want to fight? She she starts growling because she wants to fight, and that's her yawning. She's very vocal. We're vocal today, huh? I'm keeping oh, all this audio. Oh, oh. So I can set up Piranha Dog Productions. Oh my god, dude. Okay, you gotta keep a little bit in this episode. Oh yeah, definitely. It's staying in. All of it? Some of it, yeah. Some of it. Um, okay. I don't know where I was at. Okay. Um, you said that they were shut down. Yeah, the bar was shut down. Okay, so... Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoy it. All of our links will be down in the description on where to find us. And join us next week as one of us will have a spooky tale for you. Bye. Bye.